Blog Talk Radio. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Writer's Process Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Moody, and tonight I have an awesome guest. Um, I saw him on Film Courage, and I uh, had to uh, ask if he would come on the show, and he um, graciously, uh, you know, said yes and accepted. And uh, thank you so much, Peter Russell. How are you doing, Peter? Hey, Jonathan, I'm doing great. Uh, really honored to be here. Uh, it's a cool show, and I'm up for it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I first want to ask, because, you know, um, I've seen you on the show. When, like, when did you discover your passion for writing? Uh, well, I wasn't very good at it at the beginning, so I would call it more of a sadomasochistic relationship. Uh, but <laughs> I, I loved it. Uh, the first thing I wrote won uh, an award, and that was a horrible thing, because then I thought it was gonna it was going to be easy, and it was going to be cool, and all I'd have to do is, you know, sit back and drink champagne and smoke some weed and I'd write and everything would be perfect. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and that was like the, the worst trap in the world. It was like a Tarantino opening, you know, because everything after that was horribly hard. So I, I, it took me many, many years uh, before I, I was really any good at it. I've only started selling uh, screenplays and, and TV scripts under my own name in the last few years, even though I've been a teacher at UCLA uh, since, you know, I guess 2003, but uh, I taught for a long time. Yeah, I taught for a long time without um, selling my own stuff, and I started ghosting after I was a script reader, but, uh, and, I, and, I would, and I sold some stuff uh, that way, but it wasn't until like three years ago when I really discovered the secret of, of what for me was uh, uh, going to cook as a writer, uh, which was collaboration, uh, because screenwriting is so hard. Uh, although doable, that uh, I needed somebody else to, to, to lean on and sort of bitch on and, and have them bitch back at me and also collaborate. So I've only really been uh, successful as a, as a selling writer and on my own end for the last few years. Um, but it, it's, it is a passion, but I quit, I quit about 30 times because uh, I'm not that gifted. You know, I'm just not that gifted at it. Um, I'm okay and I'm persistent. But, uh, you know, I think John Ridley, uh, who did American Crime, I believe, I think he was a guy I, I heard just sat down and wrote a script and, and it was just great. And he was he that was his first one. It was all cool. I'm not even sure if that's true, but that's what I heard. And, and, and but that's like ninety nine point nine percent of people don't do that. You know, it, it's a really rigorous, long process. Uh, I don't I think it's the hardest thing in the world, but that's maybe because I'm not all that talented at it. I think you're, you know, I think we're all the harshest critic of our own work. So yeah. maybe you're a lot better than you you give yourself credit for. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I think all you have to do is be a little bit better uh, and also be persistent. Um, the people I've seen that 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 don't succeed, um, yeah, some of them are talented. Um, you do need talent, uh, but persistence seems to be uh, even more important and. Um, yeah, that's probably not true for the pinnacle people like uh, I don't know Tarantino and the writer directors that I think are at the top of the heap. Uh, but but for 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 the, a lot of the rest of us working screenwriters, I think it's a lot of sweat, toil, and tears, and it's a lot of and the passion is there. 
uh, but the persistence has to be there too. But I know some people just, you know, they just sit down and do it, but uh, uh, that's not me. So it's been a long road. Well, let me tell you uh, an interesting story. So um, I think this will make you laugh. I, uh, when I first um, started writing like for real and I wanted to write my first feature script and I was super excited, you know, like I'm writing this feature <laughs> script. It's, it's about because um, I worked at uh, Bush Gardens Williamsburg at the time, and I was like, right. you know, it'd be great if like vampires overtook like Bush Gardens, right? So I wrote this script. Oh, it's kind of like Lost Boys meets like Die Hard or whatever, you know, these different kind of yeah. cool ideas. And I wrote this whole like nine, I think it might have been eight or ninety pages, and I and I was like, and then I wrote Fade Out, and I was like, this is exciting, okay. And I gave it to this guy. I'm not going to say his name, um, but I gave it to this guy, and he read it, and he was going to give me critical notes, and he gave me notes on every single, like, line, you know. Wow. He was like, why, why, so why did you say no up, for, up to about 30 pages? And then his last words up to 30 pages were, this awful. This is the worst oh, thing man. I've ever read in my life. Oh, uh, I really oh hope God. you don't become a writer at oh, all. A, I hope what you a, quit. What a jerk! Don't, don't tell me that. And, um, <laughs> no, but like, no, but that—that's like a Tarantino story. I think oh. he sort of too, sort of too. But like that really happened to me, and and, and it crushed me. And actually, for a little bit, I I almost quit over it. Um, and yeah. um, I was 20 years old, and I was I I thought like, oh my God, my life is over. This one guy didn't like my script. Oh my goodness! And um, you know what I mean? Like, it, oh, it's it so so silly now. But you know that was a cool idea. That was a cool high concept. Uh, you know, we've right. all wanted to see uh, amusement parks uh, uh, eviscerated and, and everybody in them killed. I mean, I think that's always true. It's a, we're sick little fantasy. That's a great high concept. But yeah, I mean, well, that's sort of. Don't you think that's really emblematic of what it's like uh, to be a writer? In Hollywood, I mm-hmm. mean, it, it, you know, everybody else just decorates the house. Writers, they build it, right? And, and then the director comes mm-hmm. in, and, and, and he says, oh, the curtains should go here. And the cinematographer says, ah, the lighting should do this. And, but the writer writes the house. And then everybody comes in and just craps on it, right? Ah, yeah, this right. ballroom's too big. And, you know, and, and so, but they didn't, they didn't build it. So um, I think writers have the hardest job in Hollywood. And I've been a director uh, in theater, and I've, I've done, uh, I've seen a lot of producers. I, I worked with uh, Brian Grazer and Ron Howard for a few years. I mean, they're just amazingly talented guys. Uh, but to me, the writer and, and the writer director, but the writer is at the top of the heap, and he, and he doesn't get respect um, for for some really interesting reasons we could talk about. But the writer is the guy that really uh, builds the house. So. Um, and I think back in the 30s, he, we sort of gave away our pottage when we made the deal. The WGA made the deal, you know, that, that it was the director who got the name on the, on the thing and got the control. I think we really sold our birthright many, many years ago. And, uh, and the writers have never really recovered from that. But we, I think, writers are the, do the hardest job. And we get, the, we get crapped on. And I'm always, I always say, look, one of the things a screenwriter has to do, and this doesn't apply to your story, poor guy, I mean, because this guy sounds like a complete jerk and not like he didn't know anything either. But you have to see the smart note behind the stupid note, right? The professionals mm-hmm. I know that work in screenwriting, 
they get all these stupid notes from from everybody on the production right that can do it from the exec produce on mm-hmm. down and and sometimes the notes if they're like from someone like uh, Brian or, or Ron um, they're great the notes are usually great but uh, that's only true maybe five or ten percent of the time most of the notes are stupid but your job as a writer if you're going to be a professional is to have steel balls about it but also more importantly Realize that there's a note there that's smart behind the stupid note. I like to think of it like there's a canary in a coal mine. The canary doesn't have much of a brain, but it does die. So it shows you something by dying. So when a producer complains about something in a story, they may be complaining inarticulately about the wrong thing, but they're right that there's something wrong. So you need to take that note and figure out what's really wrong. With your story, usually there is something really wrong. Now, sometimes you say things like, hey, you put a monkey in it, it'll be fine. And the, you can forget about those guys. But, but there are just almost anybody can, can look at a story and say, ah, this part doesn't work for me. And you should respect that, even though what they're telling you to do is stupid. It's just like a canary dying in a coal mine. You, you ought to take and say, okay, what does that note really mean? What's really wrong with my story? Chances are there is something wrong with your story, and, and you need to fix it. And if you're going to work as a working screenwriter, uh, look, I, I, I sold a couple of television scripts this last year, and uh, it was amazing how many rewrites, and I'm still in rewrites on, on, on both of them, um, to get it into really good shape. It, it's, it, it's so difficult to write great story, so hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I think, you know, and, and in television, it's way more complex even than movies. I'm relieved to come back to a movie. I'm working on a World War II movie right now, and, and it's just it's, it's so nice to just have the simplicity of two storylines, maybe three, as opposed to the, the 12 I was trying to put in and, and did put in to a miniseries I'm working on. And if you look at something like uh, The Deuce, you know, you'll have 11, 12 storylines um, in, in, in Simon's work, and that's the trend, you know. And uh, it's it's a tough business, but you got to find that smart note behind the stupid note. The, it is there. Well, I will, you know, and and I'm glad you talked about the storyline stuff because, um, you know, I, I was never a, a like a TV writer. You know what I mean? Uh, but right. I took the TV writing class, and um, you go through all the different storylines. There's the A storyline, the B storyline. C and sometimes D and E, you know, like it, it depends on how big this F- the story is. If there's 12, yeah. there's like, it could be yeah. up to like each, whatever, you know, and it, yeah, yeah. it's crazy. But, um, you know, but I started watching TV shows um, yeah. and, and it put me to like, uh, you know, again, you know, of course I watch TV shows all the time, but I'll watch it and I'll be like, oh, there's the A storyline. Oh, there's the B story. Wait. That, no, that's the C story. You know what I mean? Like, I'll, I'll like, no. look at it like that. And it looks well, at it differently now, and I love it. Well, you know, I really think that the, the entertainment now is like the Russian novel. It, it, it's, it, it's at its peak, uh, television is, and it's because it's so voluminous and there's so much of it. It's like the 19th century Russian novel. It's reaching its peak, and I think it's also going to explode. I think there's going to be five times more TV in the next five to 10 years. And it is all about the number of storylines. That's the big radical uh, explosion. If you look at a show like Sneaky Pete, it's got like 11 or 12 and they're handling them in an hour. Uh, That's just peak Mm -hmm. television. And, 
you know, in 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 like you said, I, I'm really happy you like the TV lecture. Uh, I've got four of them on um, Peter Russell Script Doctor and and the, and if you want to walk through the basic fundamentals of learning how to write for TV, uh, those classes help you do it. Because look, I think even if you're a movie writer and you just love movies. Um, that's great. And by the way, Netflix is starting to buy movies again. So it's not like movies are going anywhere. And I, I got to admit, I love them. But television is making the big screen look small right now, right? I mean, TV, mm-hmm. uh, is there's so much unbelievably great stuff on television. It's, a, it's almost a revolution. So if you're watching, I mean, I just, uh, I've just broke down the first season of Altered Carbon in this uh, web uh, post I did, this webinar I just did. And I go through why sci-fi and all the rules of sci-fi, all the hidden structures of sci-fi, and how also all the hidden structures of mystery thriller and all the hidden structures of action are all in Altered Carbon. I read Altered Carbon a few years ago as a script reader um, and passed on it because it wasn't, uh, didn't have characters who healed. You know, a, a film character, a film hero is usually a, a wounded uh, hero given a chance to heal, right? Uh, given a chance mm. to learn how to heal. Uh, now, it didn't do that in Altered Carbon, and back then I was writing, working for a movie comedy, but it's a great television show because you don't have to heal in TV, right? You just keep bleeding. Mm-hmm. You bleed a little less, but then you come back and you get ripped open again. So Altered Carbon was a fu- – I'm sorry, I'm not going to curse – was a completely yeah, great can. television story. And, and it had such great multiplicity of storyline that it was perfect. And, and I really love what they finally ended up doing with it. Same is true Game of Thrones. I mean, the number of storylines is insane. Um, but that's oh, yeah. the trend. I, I, yeah, I'll say it's very hard to follow. Like that, that, that uh, you know, Game of Thrones. I love it to death. My brother can follow it. Like, you know, you'll never believe. But I, like, it really takes a lot of focus. And it's hard for me oh, yeah. sometimes, you know. Like, it is. Um, and and you've you got to follow the storylines. You know, what you want to do is you want to ask yourself, what is the question of the storyline? For instance, everybody knows Breaking Bad, and I've got a lecture on Breaking Bad because it's genius television. But, you know, the A storyline there is will Walter uh, become a badass drug dealer? And so uh, all through the pilot, that storyline question keeps getting asked. And then the B storyline is, is Walt going to take care of his family? And the C storyline, is he going to die cancer? So those are the three storylines that are threaded through the whole episode. And brilliant television takes those same storylines through the entire run of the show. The episodes, whatever it is Breaking Bad is, it's always those three storylines. So your storyline yeah. question is, is the fiery passion that's going to send you. And here's the other cool thing about storyline in TV. You start answering the question, yes or no, and then you do a 180 and change slowly through the entire pilot. So if the question at the beginning is answered, uh, no, which it is in storyline A, is what going to be a badass regular, slowly through the pilot, every time that storyline comes back up, the beat's answered slowly, yes. So it goes from no, 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 maybe, 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 yes. So, and that's the secret of storyline. So if you find the right storyline in television, that's how you build the storyline. And this is a monumentally cool thing to learn how to do. Uh, and, and, you know, movies have an equivalent of that. It's called sequencing, but it's, it's not the same. And it's, it, it, they're different crafts. 
uh, they're both brilliant. But anyway, yeah, I love TV, and that's what I've been focusing on for the last couple of years at PeterRussellScriptDoctor.com because I love what's happening in the commercial art. And you know, I, but I just watched Inglorious Bastards again. I mean, I just watched Roma. I just watched. Uh, I've watched five amazing films in the last couple of weeks. So I love movies. I almost see them as opera, whereas television is more like a bunch of pop songs. But the, but both crafts are brilliant. In fact, I'd say, you know, pop in, in the 20th century is a greater up from than opera. So you can actually change it up, man. You can go from movies to TV, and you go back to movies, and you take that knowledge forward. I mean, movies are getting more complicated, too, because of the influence of television. So it, it goes mm-hmm. back and forth. Um, okay, so I want to know your opinion on something that, I mean, it's just a critical opinion, so it doesn't, you know, it's your opinion. It doesn't have to be, you know, obviously what sure. other people or anybody else thinks. But uh, talking about Breaking Bad, and I'm going to, and, and people, whoever's listening, if you are a Breaking Bad, or if you've been watching Breaking Bad, but have not finished it yet or whatever, uh, finish it before you listen to this uh, question because I'm about to, or there's about to be a spoiler. Um, but uh, I do want to, because um, people hate spoilers. You gotta, you, you know that I'm sure. Um, oh yeah. But, yeah, yeah, uh, I hate them. The, yeah, but the biggest thing is season four of Breaking Bad ends right. um, almost perfectly in a way. Like, um, and what I, from what I've understood, like that was maybe like they were teetering on like, was this going to be the last season or not? They weren't sure yeah. that they were even going to be like back. So they wanted to end it on a way like where everything gets kind of wrapped up and everything. And uh, how can this, you know what I mean? Like what's going to, you know, no, every, everything seemed, it was, it was like a happy ending, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Then season five, you know, they got the green light, they did season five and it ended completely different. It is not right. the, it, it was a little bit more grim and it was it, the whole season got like crazier than whatever. Um, as for you, as a you know, opinion A is you know, like question A is, are you a uh, did you like season five's ending as opposed to season four ending, or did you prefer each of the, you know, which one would you have preferred? Or and B, did because um, you said that you, you, you talked about how characters um are are not supposed to heal till like the end basically till the end of the the series and sometimes i guess some of them don't ever heal from it even when i don't think i don't i think there's been some some stories around especially like even orphan black um where i don't think the characters ever really fully healed um maybe orphan black did um but do you think like his the character healed uh, from his wounds by the end of it? Uh, no, uh, no, not at all. And the reason that, 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 that look, uh, Walter doesn't heal because he's an anti-hero. So, uh, and also, he look, I think in great pilots, a lot of great pilots, the, all the big change in the hero happens in the pilot. And then the rest of the season run, he's not really that different. Ask yourself this, you know, okay, so at the, at the end of Breaking Bad, the whole show, uh, uh, Walt's a really badass drug dealer, right? I mean, he dies. Mm-hmm. He's, he's in there. He's right. in there. He's had machine gun He does. But where does he change? He changes in the pilot. 
at the beginning mm-hmm. of the pilot, he's this mild, milk toast of a guy. His 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 brother-in-law's bullies him. Uh, he he doesn't make any money. He's he's just a wimp. It's in the pilot that Walter changes. He goes from mild-mannered chemistry teacher to a badass drug dealer. So in, in, in a lot of great pilots, what you're looking for is the big dramatic change in the hero. And then for the rest of the show's run, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 episodes, he just gets worse, yes, but he's already on his path. Now, you don't have to do that. Uh, Mad Men's Don Draper is, is, is who he is at the beginning, and he doesn't have all that big of a change. But I love a pilot where the hero has this big dramatic change, man, because it's, it's cool. I mean, you can, really, you can really see it. So a lot of times it's the pilot where he changes the most. Now, I love season four. I'm in love with that wheelchair scene. I love the way that, that uh, Gus got blown up. Yeah, that was fantastic. But then in season five, you know, Gus is dead. You get to keep watching Walt become a bigger deal. And he says, what's my name? Remember that great scene? What's my name? Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah. so that's fantastic stuff. Also, we see Anna Gunn's character uh, more fully. Uh, we see uh, Aaron Paul's character more fully. It just gets friggin' great again. So remember, the real compelling part of television is watching not the hero change all through the show like you do in a movie. In a movie, change of a character, of a hero, is everything. A great movie is often a wounded hero given a chance to heal or bleed out if it's tragedy. Now, Walt bleeds out. Yes, he does. But it takes him six, seven years, whatever many seasons there were. I don't remember. But the point is the television character captures us not with change but with surprise surprising elements of his character you didn't see before when Walt tells Skyler at the end, listen, I, I, I didn't do this for my family. I did this because I loved it, right? That's a fantastic surprise in Walt's character. We haven't seen that before, right? So, so when, mm-hmm. when, uh, uh, yeah, when, when Tony Soprano's sister uh, uh, kills Richie April in their kitchen, right, right before they're going to get married, man, after he hits her, that's a surprise. It's a new revelation right. of your character. And so that's what we dig on when we're watching television. Surprise in character, not change. So Walt uh, comes straight back from that fantastic uh, Gus bombing, and, and we're going to watch him surprise us again by he's becoming even more evil, and he's doing even worse things uh, to Jesse. So, and, and we've also got um, Saul to watch. So all of these people um, have uh, an unbelievable set of surprises for us, and that's what makes TV so different. So I'm surprised by Walt, uh, even in the very end, man. I'll tell you how the greatest thing for me, I'm a, like a four-year-old sometimes, is how he, he got that machine gun into his trunk of that uh, old uh, uh, big sedan, and, and, he, and he rescues Jesse, the machine gun, Stitches the the room where where Jesse's in and and Walt just it, it's like something out of a spaghetti western and then Walt's in there in the vats and he he, he lies down and he dies and the surprise of uh, taking all the money over to that rich couple who screwed him surprise 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 so as long as the TV story is surprising us and Gilligan's a genius at it we're gonna watch it we're gonna love it mm-hmm. oh man that's great um, I, you know. Coming from, I watched 
you know, a bunch of different stuff, right? Like, I don't watch this all. It doesn't all have to be crime dramas or anything like that. But I, 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 I am a huge fan of Dexter. Um, I'm sure you've seen the show um, and everything. Yeah. But I was, I and a lot of people were not a fan of the ending of that show, um, just because from what I had understood that um, it's a Showtime that did it, I think. Um, yeah, one of those channels. Um, I think it was Showtime. It was either Showtime or Cinemax, but I think it was Showtime. Right. Um, but the thing that I, I really didn't like about it is I heard that they they didn't want to kill off Dexter, right? Um, because sure. they wanted, you know, potential, you know, maybe a Dexter movie or something. You know, like they didn't yeah. want him. They wanted him to, to live, uh, to go on, to have maybe if they wanted to bring it back, whatever it was. Um, so they didn't want to kill Dexter, but like that was the only logical thing that could like end it, you know, to make it a, like a clear ending. And the ending that they chose, have you seen it? I didn't see the ending. I stopped watching it kind of like you. Uh, it, 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 it really started to, and I'll tell you, you know why, uh, you know what I'm going to tell you, right? <laughs> you know why I stopped watching it? Um, it, stopped, it stopped surprising me. <laughs> okay. Ooh, okay, yeah. All right. It did. And look, it was a fantastic show. But look, in TV, most of the time, he doesn't heal his wound. It just keeps bleeding. In a TV, if you're doing a log line, which is like a one-sentence encapsulation of the show, and often a writer's room will work for six weeks or two months, just what they call breaking the A story. All it means is they're trying to figure out the log line of the show. Uh, for instance, in, mm-hmm. in, in a show like uh, the and all a, all a TV logline is a hero's goal and the obstacles in her or his way. So that's what a TV logline is as opposed to a movie logline. So Dexter's goal, of course, is, you know, he's going to, um, he, he wants to, well, let's just, I'll, I'll lay it out here. How about, how about this? By day, mild-mannered Dexter is the blood spatter analyst for, uh, I think it's my, for the Miami police. But at night, he's a serial killer who only targets other murderers, Right. So, so that's mm-hmm. a pretty good estimation of the show. And when they got that log line, I mean, maybe it's not what they came up with, but off the top of my head, that's what I think it is. Remember, that's the hero's goal, which is he wants to kill other serial killers. And, by, and the obstacles in his way, well, obviously, you know, are police and, and maybe other serial killers, right? So you can ring right. thousands of changes on that, but you must always have Dexter surprised. That one of the keys for me, and I'm not, I, I didn't watch a show like that, but I watched some episodes where he teams up with a female serial killer. And to me, those were pretty mm-hmm. cool because we're surprised. We're surprised by her. We're surprised by him. We're surprised by the revelation. But I think the show jumped the shark, the shark NATO, as we say, when he just, uh, when the writers couldn't come up with any more surprises. Okay, look. TV rooms right. are like anybody else. You know, after a few seasons, you need to change it out. You know, it's like the Baltimore Orioles. I mean, you know, or wherever your team. But you got to get new players in there. And um, I think that, that a show is in danger when they start recycling their trophies. And people stop surprising. I think the greatest show on television is The Sopranos. And it's because you never stop being surprised by what Tony did, and you would never stop being surprised by what all the other characters did. Even at the last season where, you know, they, they take their son and, and 
and, and he's, he's doing well. He's really healthy. He's got a girlfriend. He's working great. Job. And they turn him into a pornography producer. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. a great surprise, you know? And, and, and so that's what I think television really thrives on. So I don't think Decker, uh, you know, and by the way, also in television, you need this irreconcilable conflict, right? Uh, and the conflict mm-hmm. in Dexter is that, you know, he's a serial killer who wants to stop serial killers, right? That's never, you're never going to reconcile that. (laughs) So you could have rung a lot lot more changes on Dexter. But listen, man, I've never been in a TV writer's room. Uh, To me, it's the hardest thing in the world. It it doesn't appeal to me. I think it'd be like, it'd be so tough to to go in there every week and and just lay out. I come in as a, as a, as a, a consultant or collaborator, and my job's easy. I'm not going to be sitting in that room for, for, for 48 weeks uh, uh, eating pastry. I'm going to go, ah, do this, this, and this, and then I'm out of there. But the people that do that day in and day out, man, they've got a lot more talent than me um, when it comes to figuring out how all these pieces fit together and producing them week in and week out. That's insanely hard. Uh, uh, you know, as opposed to writing a, a film or doing the, the mini series that I worked on, and there's a lecture on it at, at Peter Russell Script Um The mini series form for me is the TV form that combines TV and movies. Why is that, man? And it's why I love it so much. Why well, I love writing it. <clears throat> why is it? Because a TV mini series or closed in show, like the ones that Ryan Murphy do so geniusly well, they're like a long movie, right? So I always say, mm-hmm. if you write movies and you want to get over to TV, but you're a snob or a hipster or whatever, and you, TV, and you still haven't really made the jump, uh, think about writing a miniseries because they're like a long movie. Why? Remember what I said. Uh, in, in, in film, a hero is a, is a wounded guy who is given a chance to heal. Well, in a TV miniseries, that's also the case. But the healing takes place over the entire arc of the miniseries, so over like five, seven, eight, nine episodes, like in True Detective season one, you know, the good one. Uh, I'm sure Nick is going to do a great mm-hmm. one in the third season. But the arc between the two co-heroes there, um, uh, they, they had a long process of becoming buddies. It was like a long, long buddy movie. And in the end, they healed, right? Uh, uh, Woody Harrelson had a wound. And so did uh, uh, Matthew McConaughey. And they healed each other's wounds. But it took them 10 or 11 episodes. And by the way, that's a, like a long, long movie. I have this structure called the BMOC. You should t- check out my foundations class on PeterRussellScriptDoctor.com. This structure is, 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 is the heart of every frigging great cinematic story there is. And I discovered it after reading millions of scripts. I was a script reader way too long. I should have done it that long, but I loved studying it. And there are four times in, a, in, a, in an epic cinematic story when a hero changes. This is true in TV, too, by the way. It sounds contradictory, but it isn't. And in True Detective, uh, Rust and Marty, episode three, they had this huge crescendo where their, where their relationship changed in a big way. And they begin to heal each other's wounds. Uh, and then again, halfway through this episode arc, uh, I think it was uh, episode five or six, when they rescued each other from this, these, what they thought were the serial killers, uh, they had another huge change. They bonded. And every time they bonded, they also changed each other. And they learned the theme of the show, which is that the world isn't just darkness. The world is light. There is love in the world. And at the end of that show, it's what I call the C point. I call it beginning, middle, obstacle, and climax. And that last episode, 
they're healing finally, and, and Russ uh, uh, wheels uh, Marty out, or Marty wheels Russ out, in the room, and, and, and Russ says, uh, I think there's light in the world, Marty. There's light in the world. There's love in the world. He's had this epic change. So that's a movie change. He's healed. Remember, he's a wounded hero given a chance to heal. So if you want to write, if you love movies, uh, but you want to also write for TV and, and, and start getting into the new sort of uh, uh, Russian novel TV uh, art form, which I, I, I really recommend you do, you want to think about that. What is uh, the wounds that you're healing? And then it's a movie. And the movie is, the movie form is imposed over the TV forms. You have the best of both. You really do. It's the best of both. Uh, and, and, mm-hmm. and, but I'm back to writing a World War II script now. Uh, and I'm going to do a webinar on uh, Peter Russell's scriptdoctor.com about that because this, this is a classic movie. It's got two plot lines. It's got an A and a B story, uh, and it's got a fantastic villain. And I just watched Inglorious Bastards. I'm going to uh, imitate Tarantino as much as I can. <laughs> I always believe in, in, in <laughs> borrowing from the greats. And I'm just really loving uh, digging this straightforward story and making it operatic. And, and instead of worrying about 12 storylines, like you often have to do in TV, um, I'm, I'm just worrying about two. It's not any easier, Jonathan, uh, I don't think, it, but it's, it, it's, it's less complicated, right? So, so and, right. And, and the riffs, the riffs are, 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 are more operatic. So um, if you can go back and forth, um, from the art forms, um, I think that's a great thing. The other thing that I realized, and, and if I'm talking too much, just let me know, um, is that <laughs> no, you're, you're the, the genre, okay, the genre tools, the patterns that I found in every genre, because I read, I read about 8,000 scripts. I figured it out uh, when I was a script reader. I did it for like 10 years. I was a real idiot. I should have moved on. And that's what you're supposed to do when you're a script reader. I worked for CBS and I worked for HBO and I worked for a bunch of companies, but I just kept reading scripts and I started noting down all these patterns that I found in the really good ones. And then I started selling my notes to the people that wrote the scripts and I said, Hey, well, I really liked your coverage, man. Come on, help me write the movie or help me write the television show. Um, and, and so I noted these patterns that I saw in all the great ones and I wrote those patterns down. And, and uh, there, so, so a mystery thriller has about 40 amazing patterns. In every good one. And, and in a romantic comedy, there's about amazing 40 patterns in, in a good one. The bad ones don't do it. And I wrote these all down. And so eventually I wrote down all these patterns for every genre. So I, I've done lectures uh, on PeterRussellScriptArthur.com of each one of these uh, 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 genres and on all these patterns that, they all, that the good ones always have. And, you know, before I sold movies and television, I didn't really, I mean, they helped other writers a lot. They said they did. They paid me. But I didn't know if they really worked. So when I started actually selling stuff for my own name, I would go back to these lectures I'd made, and they're up on my website, and I would actually look at these patterns, and then I would go, okay, oh, I didn't do that. Okay, I haven't really done that pattern yet. Oh, my God, i got to make this story better by putting this pattern in. The mystery thriller, it's got three plots. It's got a, a parent crime, a distraction crime. It's got a real crime. It's got a hidden villain. It's got this. It's got that. It's got a shapeshifter uh, who helps the hero. There's an emotional change in the hero helps to solve the crime. Oh, my God, I haven't really done that. So it was amazing to me that these patterns that I'd observed actually worked. <laughs> I've been telling other people mm-hmm. they worked, but they did work. So um, that's why I think you must study. I, I'm no smarter than anybody else. 
What I do is I, I'll go and I'll watch a show 30 times. You know, I watched the pilot of Breaking Bad 35 times. And, and, and even if you're an idiot, you start to notice things, right? And, and especially if you have the script mm-hmm. in front of you while you watch it. That's how I learned what the storylines were. That's how I learned uh, what Walter's wound is. His wound is that he's powerless. Uh, that's what I, that's why I learned all this stuff. So I recommend if you're, you know, don't go to film school. Don't go to, you know, I mean, they're very expensive. I teach at UCLA, the entertainment division. <laughs> We're great because we only have people actually working in the field that teach. They, they can't just have their MFA and go teach. They, they've got to be working in their field and producing and making story today. But I think that a lot of film schools have an academic approach uh, uh, to TV and film. And I think better than that, it's a lot cheaper to sit down and whatever your favorite genre is, let's say you probably like zombie movies since you did that zombie thing. You know, you go back and you look at Romero, you go back and you look at the classics, you go back and you look at the guys who've cooked in the genre that you adore, and then you you copy them. And you when if you look at their stories 10 times you'll go, oh man, he does this here and he does this here and he does this here. And guess what? You know, um, so so does the the genius who, uh, who wrote saw, he does this in the same place and he uses this tool right here. Oh my God, I'm going to do that too. And that saves you a lot of money. I think film school is about 60 Mm -hmm. grand a year. And, and you, you know, take one, get one of my lectures because I have a lecture on, on horror and I've observed patterns in horror. And the pattern. Well, I'm planning change. to. I'm actually planning to. I uh, was looking at the. Uh, yeah. I was looking at your lectures. The uh, you know before, you know, a couple of days before the show when we started talking about uh, having you on and everything. I was looking at your uh, lectures and uh, the, there was like the mystery and 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 um, horror and thriller uh, you know uh, class and I yeah. said oh I'm definitely planning on checking that out. I mean sixty bucks for a class. And like literally, and I, I'm I'm giving you a plug right now because uh, when I uh, when I originally heard sixty bucks for a class, I thought it was going to be like one or two like little things, you know, or whatever, you know what I mean? Like just a little bit of what was, you know what I mean? Like you know, yeah. oh, if you want the you know sixty dollar one, you know whatever, you were extensive. You were like, you know, these were like, um, thank you, Matt. Like almost you know, probably our classes or something like, like you would have at a real class. And I, I treated them like that. I wrote notes down. I have them saved, you know, for when I, That's if so I cool. ever, because I, mean, I did know, write I, a, I, I, I did write a TV script pilot. However, me and my co-writer are no longer friends and we're not going to, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to restructure it at some point and maybe do something cool. else with it. But well, you know, you know it's that, happens. that happens to collaborators. Um, one of my collaborators pissed at me right now because um, we're in the middle of real. <laughs> just, just let it cool off. I mean, you can come back uh, or you can find somebody else, you know, but collaborators are great. And it, what I love about mm. you saying that is that, look, I spent five years writing these lectures, and I didn't really do much else. I didn't have a whole lot of money at the time, but I just sat in my little uh, Malibu shack, and, 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 and I lectured and I taught. And all I really did was write these lectures. It took a long time. Um, but I love that you love them. And the thing is, is that they really are expensive. And, you know, th- there's a whole bunch of content in every one of them. And, and I, when I was writing, I wasn't even thinking about 
um, teaching them really. Uh, then I started trying them out on my UCLA class, and, and they liked them. But, you know, I've got science fiction, fantasy, uh, love stories, action. Uh, I've got uh, adventure romance, uh, thriller, horror, short films, uh, all of it, drama, romantic comedy, all of it. Because it's so much fun for me to break down these secrets. They're not really secrets. They're just things that aren't apparent when you just are enjoying a movie. Uh, but the thing about it is, is they really help me when I'm selling my stuff now. And that's, to me, the best part of it, that, that, that I could actually go back when I'm lost in my rewrite. And I've got all these notes from a producer and, and even my manager who's, you know, said, God, Peter, you just turned in a piece of crap. I can't believe you turned it. Mm-hmm. You know, I better look at my, uh, and I realized, oh, my, my, my storylines are crap. So the storyline lecture on television is going up in a couple of weeks. I'm actually writing a story in the lecture as I, as I do my rewrite on this, um, on this crime drama, because um, it's called the crime drama, serial crime drama, which is sort of like a, a, a Ray Donovan meets a, a true detective or LA Confidential. And, and so I look at, I go back and look at the mystery thriller, because I got a long mystery in this thing. And I also go back and look at the action, because the action, the patterns of action are incredible, you know. People think action movies are, 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 are an inferior form of storytelling, but, oh, my God, they're, they're, they're the most amazing uh, uh, form ever. And the people that, that do them well are, are extraordinary. You know, you take this new Tom Cruise movie, um, you know, it's a turd of a story. But because the action sequences are so astonishingly compelling, it, 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 it works. Uh, uh, you know, ten times in the movie, they just, the actors all stop and go, hey, what, what's going on here? This doesn't make any sense. It's like being in a writer's meeting. But then uh, the action kicks in, and, and the, the genius of the action lies in the way they pattern their BMOC sequences, the good news, bad news, the ticking clocks, the raising stakes. All of these tools I break down in my suspense lecture. You know, creating suspense is a separate art form, too. So, um, and, and I, I break that down as well. My passion, I got to say, as much about writing is, is as how do you build these amazing structures that, that work the way they do? How do they, how does the devices work? It's almost like you got this car. I'm a motorhead and I, I love to break down cars. And, you know, how does this, you know, how does the CFI work? You know, how do they, how do that, I, I, I want this Toronado from 66, this Oldsmobile Toronado, to me, it's the best car in the world. And I, I break down how their front wheel drive works, right? And you could get the transmission out. Look at the valves here, right? Look at the look at the uh, uh, the way the system operates. It's complex, but it's beautiful. So um, that's to me a, a passion of mine. So that's why I think uh, if I'm an okay teacher, uh, I love to impart how movies work, how television works. Uh, that's just the coolest thing I think in the world to do that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm, I'm, I mean that. Cut you off, but we're like it's literally going to cut us off in about two minutes. So I just wanted okay. to to once again plug where where people can find you, where people can find these classes. Um, plug your yeah, social media no, right things it, and yeah. stuff. It's it's Peter Peter Russell scriptdoctor.com. Peter Russell scriptdoctor.com. And I got some. Uh, I'm running some specials because you give yourself the gift, man. It's the holidays. I got three classes for one. I got seven for three. Uh, you can get, you can have my, and by the way, I'm not Mr. Cool. I love working with new writers. I have a mentorship program. You know, you can't write a story in 10 weeks. And all the people who say you can, it's a bunch of BS. I take you through 
from your zero to your first draft. And, and I'm not going to lie to you, it takes months, okay, to do it right. Mm-hmm. You can't write a script on your coffee break. You can't write a script, you know, while you're, while you're uh, waxing your cat. Okay, it, it, it's, a, it's a complicated thing, as you well know, uh, Jonathan. But I'm, I love mm-hmm. to mentor people. I, I'll take you through the whole process to a first draft. I love to, my student, Tay Hanyak, talented actress, just won the Austin Film Festival uh, for Best Comedy Script. Sony's backing it. Tate, I love you. Just happened three weeks ago. Tate is amazing. She's an actress. She's really good. She's been in some big movies. But she wanted to write, and she wanted to learn to write. And Tate is my shining star right now. I love to take people who want to write and show them, help them how to do it and collaborate with them. It's my main, it's my favorite thing. And you can get it on my website. Right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, you're a pleasure to talk to. And I wish I could have talked to you for a lot longer, but unfortunately we only have 45 minutes. So thank That's you a long so time much. Radio. And yes, definitely. Well, thank you, and um, I, I should probably try to have you on again next year sometime. Dude, so, anytime. Um, if you... Look, I love talking about story. I think your show's cool. I'll be back anytime. All right. All right. Thank you. I definitely will. I'll hold you up to that. Thank you, and cool, thank man. you, everybody, for listening. Yeah, thank you, John. Okay. Have a good night, everybody.